You think you own me, but you don't. You think you can destroy me, you can't. Your labels do not contain me. Your lies do not intimidate me. I will not be less than what I was created to be, and I will not run in fear. Time and time again, you've held me down, but not today. Today, I win the battle. Today, you run from me, because I am strong. I am courageous. I am an overcomer. Oh my goodness. But you know what, guys? God has given us power to overcome. Consider the framework passage that we've been considering from 1 John. It says, You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And we've been having a good time taking a look at what we can overcome. Taking a look at how we can make progress when it comes to fear, when it comes to labels, when it comes to apathy. And today... How do we get past comparing? You know, I believe, and maybe you believe too, that we live in a world that likes to compare a lot. And it's not always helpful. For instance, I remember when HGTV just got popular. Do you remember tuning into HGTV for the first time? Maybe you had a similar experience that I did. I thought it was pure evil. And the reason I thought it was pure evil is because I was happy in my rental house. I was. Had, had white appliances, didn't know what a black backsplash was, never heard of shiplap, right? But then Chip and Joanna Gaines, they come with the shiplap and the hood and the backsplash, and, and now what I got ain't so good no more, right? And it's not just that there's products, you know, sometimes it's experiences. I was in Walmart and I was talking to someone who was retired and, and just hearing of like their vacation schedule, like, yeah, I just got back from a cruise to Aruba and, and now planning my trip to Europe. And I'm like, well, I went to McDonald's this afternoon. It's pretty great, you know. Right. And, and this is heightened because, you know, we have Facebook. And on Facebook, you know, I see who's going to Aruba and you know who's not going to Aruba? Me. Right? That's not happening. In fact, a study has been done over Facebook and what it's doing to our society. And maybe you've already heard this, that it can lead to depression. It can lead to a low self-esteem. Consider this quote from Forbes magazine. Two years ago already, it was saying this. A new study in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology finds that not only do Facebook um, and depressive symptoms go hand in hand, but the mediating factor seems to be a well-established psychological phenomenon, social comparison. That is, making comparisons often between our most humdrum moments and our friends' highlight reels. You went to Aruba, I went to McDonald's. There's a dichotomy, right? And so, so we have not only the, the products, but then we have the experiences, and then we have the performance of other people, don't we? Uh, I consider some kids who are here, and, and, and good to see you kids. It's good to have you in the Church of God. And, and have you ever gotten back your, your test or some homework and you got an A minus. And you're like, A minus, rock that. You know, great, mom's going to be proud. Put that on the fridge. 
But then there was someone, right, the, the brainiac, uh, math whiz, who, who aced it, got zero wrong, 100%. So not even like, you know, 99, but 100. And your A- doesn't look so good, right? Well, it doesn't change when you grow up. Um, you know, there's some business people in the room. And, and, and do you know who your competitors are in business? Does anyone know who their competitors are in business? Do you know that? Anyone? Yeah, we, we do, don't we? Um, because we're always comparing, how am I doing against the competitor? Um, how, how am I going to outweigh? How am I going? How am I going to be better? Right? I was watching the Samsung Galaxy commercials, and, and they're always trying to catch up to the standard. When you're on the top, you don't need to make those type of commercials. But anyway, uh, but they compare uh, the Samsung Galaxy to the Apple iPhone, and uh, look look what it can do, and, and your iPhone can't do that, right? So there's better performance, there's better products, there's better experiences, and we live in a world of comparison, and comparison is maybe beneficial to a degree, that there's a little benefit in, in when I compare like taste buds over a burrito, that, that if I find a better burrito here, I'm going back to that place. It helps us to be savvy consumers. So maybe that's the benefit of comparison, but I believe the negative of comparison far outweighs the benefit. The negative of what we've been accustomed doing as consumers far outweighs the negative or the positive. I'm sorry. I was doing some research for the sermon. I was listening to another pastor and he was basically alluding to this principle, um, first takeaway, that I believe comparison destroys contentment. In fact, another pastor, Andy Stanley, was famously said, there's no win in comparison. There is no win in comparison. And so we've come today to, to, to the house of God. And, and, and let me ask you, do you think God wants you to be content? A- anyone think that? And, and maybe let me ask you another question. Has he given you enough to be content? If you're really, really honest. And that's the work we want to do today. We, we want to drive that a little bit deeper if that's okay. Because I agree with the head nods. And look at what, what he said in Hebrews. He said, keep your lives free from the love of money. And remember, the love of money is, is what's evil. Not money itself, but the love of money. Be careful because you should be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I love the reason he gave us for contentment. Because you're, you're wanting all these other prizes, but I'm the prize. And you're wanting the perfect house, but you know the place I'm preparing for you in heaven? It's better than Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Right? It's immaculate. This new heavens and earth that you're going to, it's, it's all right. Because I'm with you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm the prize. So stay and be content. By the grace of God, he can help us overcome. He can help us with this. Let's get into the word of God. Um, so today what we're going to learn from, and if anyone wants to pray that our lights don't go out, because it's just been, anyway, sorry for the blink. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the Spirit of God. Anyway, um, we're going to learn from the bad example, okay? So today we're going and learning from the bad example, not the good. And uh, we have one of the absolute worst examples in all of Scripture. Um, His name is King Ahab. And does anyone know his wife? Jezebel. I mean, Jezebel still has like a bad connotation, doesn't it? In fact, that's a good segue for our women's Bible study. They're studying the bad women of the Bible, so come for it. You'll learn a lot of what not to be. So, so we're going to learn from King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. 
of how to deal with uh, the comparison trap and, and getting past the curse of comparison. And at Amazing Love, we've been doing something different um, because we believe God is actually speaking to us through this word. Because we believe that he has miraculously preserved this word for us, in honor of the word of God, we've been standing. So can I invite you to please stand as we hear ultimately God speaking to us um, in the book of Kings. Here it is. So it says, Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. Well, his wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? And you can almost hear the complaining in his voice. Can't you? As he retells the story, he answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. So mad, can't have it. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And now bad ensues. So she went and wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders of the nobles who lived in Naboth's city with them. In those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting, and seat Naboth in the prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him, and have them bring charges that he cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Well, the plan worked, friends. And the end of the story is this. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. This is the bad of comparison and a lack of contentment. Before you sit down, could you turn to someone next to you and say, Ahab is not a role model. Ahab is not a role model. He's not a role model. You may be seated. You may be seated. That was a Charles Barkley reference. It was. Does anyone have a generous grandmothers? Is anyone a generous grandmother? I grew up in a household where all the extras came from grandma. And I remember as a youngster watching what my brother got when he graduated the eighth grade. When my brother graduated, he got a 13-inch, his very own, tube television. Now, I know it's been a couple years, but this was a big deal. We watched the Bulls win many championships on that game in his room, right? It was a big deal. When my sister graduated the eighth grade, guess what she got? A 19-inch tube television. So when I graduate eighth grade, do you know what I got? I don't even remember. All I know is that it was not a tube television. I had grown accustomed to this idea that that there was a certain rite of passage and when I get to the eighth grade and I graduate the eighth grade, I will get my very own tube television. But I did not. And how did you think that made me feel? 
You see, I, I thought I was entitled to it. That's just how the family works. I thought I was entitled to a tube television upon graduation from the eighth grade. It seemed like the family diagram, right? It seemed like just what happened. And, and I, I recognize that sometimes you and I operate by a sense of entitlement, don't we? And, and here's what it is. Sometimes uh, newlywed couples who are well-intentioned think, well, my parents had this, so I must be entitled to have everything my parents had even though it took them their whole life to gain. Or maybe it's this. Have you ever been here? I work so hard, right? You don't even know. I work so hard that I deserve fill in the blank, right? Uh, Pick your poison. Whatever it is. It it could be shoes. It could be technology. It could be tools. It could be a remodel. It could could be a ton of things because I work so hard I'm entitled to. Or the other thing. I had such a bad week. Right? You ever been there? I had such a bad week that the solution for my recuperation is I'm entitled to that. Right? Well, that's the problem of where King Ahab was. See, he was king, and I think he was operating by this principle. You know, I'm king, so you know what I'm entitled to? Pretty much everything. Yeah. If I see it, I get it. If I want it, I'm going to have it. I am entitled to everything as king. That's just how the kingship works. And so when he comes to Naboth, he, he's not thinking that there's going to be anything other than, yes, sir, here it is. And when he hears that there is something that he cannot have and something that he thinks he is entitled to, that's when he gets low. Look at his reaction in verse 4. In verse 4 it says, So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. You cannot have it. He lay in his bed sulking and refused to eat. Now, this is the posture of any child who didn't get what they wanted from the store. And it even references that Ahab had the demeanor of like he wouldn't look at someone in the eyes. He was just like, you ever ever had that? Someone wouldn't even look up because they're just so mad. I'm not going to look at you. Hmm. And this is the posture, not only of every child who didn't get what they wanted in the store, but of every adult who, if we're honest, didn't get what they thought they were entitled to in this world. If we're not careful, can be like this, and I can't believe, don't you know, I deserve. Right? And so what do we need to do? The first thing where I think Scripture warns us by looking at the bad example is just, you know, very friendly invitation. Please watch out for what you think you're entitled to. Please be real. You know, at Amazing Love, we're very humble, um, understanding the Word of God anyway, because we're sinners. And what do I deserve because I'm a sinner? The answer is actually no good thing. The answer is actually every bad thing. And I got to be real with the fact that, that I don't deserve by myself, according to my sin, anything good, and yet God is gracious. So, so be very careful. Be very careful at what you think you're entitled to. Well, Ahab was in a bad place, and, and Ahab had this sinful idea that everything should be his. And, and the bad thing is, he didn't check his sin, and no one was around him to help him check his sin. And, and it kind of reminds me of how toddlers can destroy things, right? I think it's a good picture of sin. Have you ever had a toddler who could destroy things? And, and, and so what do we do with toddlers who can destroy? I love baby gates, 
You know, I love that you can put, you know, two toddlers in it. It looks like a cage match. And I love that a cage match is recommended by the National Parenting Center. So that's just fine, by the way. But, but in all seriousness, we've used, you know, certain gates and we understand uh, their purpose because we don't want them to get out. We don't want them playing with that TV that I see in the corner. Uh, we don't want them, you know, getting a Sharpie or something permanent like paint because if they get out with a Sharpie, it's going to turn out to be like this. Any parents have a mess they couldn't clean up from a toddler that, that a magic eraser did not erase, even though it took off the paint, but it didn't take off the Sharpie, you know? That is a really good illustration, I believe, of what sin can be. I, I want to give you kind of an example of the sin that we all carry around in us, a picture maybe, that I believe sin is like a toddler with a Sharpie. I think of a Dr. Zeus novel that says, all the places we can go. And I would say, all the places sin can go. Oh, the things that it could destroy. Oh, the the areas that it could get into. I mean, sin can destroy so much if you let it. Sin can destroy relationships and finances. And so much, its potential is unbounded. And so another warning, when we understand sin... It's to not let it reign over you, not let it have mastery over you, but rather, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, don't give the devil a foothold. Use a gate. Use a gate. Do whatever you can so that it doesn't get a foothold in your life because if you let it just go unbridled, unhindered, can we get back to Ahab? So he talks to Jezebel and Jezebel comes if... If Ahab is the toddler, Jezebel is the sharpie. And he talks about what happened and Jezebel tells him everything he wants to hear. Verse 7 says, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up, cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Have you ever been told everything you wanted to hear but it wasn't what you needed to hear? Consider the source. You know if you go to that person, they will tell you everything that you want to hear, but none of what you need to hear. That's also why it's good to be in the house of God. God doesn't do that. And because of this, we know what transpires. Because of this, we know that Naboth's life would be taken because of the plot that Jezebel uh, put together and and it it got from bad to, to very much worse, all because He was not content and he didn't gate his sin. So friends, how do we gate the sinful desires that we carry around? In one word, it is repentance. Repentance. I I know that's a church word, but repentance just means I recognize that it is wrong. I trust that Jesus can forgive me and I don't want to have anything to do with it. Repentance is this idea, again, that I know that something is wrong and I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so the invitation today is to repent if there is any area where you find yourself not content. Any area where where you find yourself sinfully comparing to what my sibling has or does, to their family status, to the vacation they went on, to the car they drive, to bring this all to the Lord, to repent of our sin. And it not only is comparison, it could be anything. Any act of lovelessness, 
anything that you know is wrong, to repent, and in so doing, nip that in the bud. You know what we all need, what Ahab needed? Needed Jesus. Because Jesus offers a new and a better way. And Jesus offers to pay the punishment for all of our sins, not just the sin of comparison, but all of them. And Ahab needed that because you know what happened with Ahab? He deserved judgment and he got it. There was a prophet named Elijah who showed up and he said to him this. He said, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up the neighbor's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. That's severe, isn't it? That's judgment, isn't it? And we who have similar sins have an opportunity to be saved because of the name of Jesus. See, that's again why I love to be a pastor of this church. I get to remind you, you don't need to die. Jesus did for you. You don't need to have that sin unbridled and ungated. Jesus offers a new and a better way and a more powerful spirit than your old man, that sinful nature. That spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the spirit that is alive in us, the spirit that enables us to overcome. And if sin destroys many different things, Jesus is the sin destroyer. That's what the cross was all about. Jesus took all the penalty of those sins and destroyed the curse of sin on the cross so that you could be set free. And I get to tell you, there is no greater love than what Jesus has given. No greater love than to die our death. No no greater love than to show us a new and a better way. No greater love than to remind us your sin is destroyed and its consequence destroyed forever. Hallelujah and amen. Have you heard of Jesus? Some of you may know this message. So what I want to do in this next part is can we work with the solution a little bit? I want want to work out that solution of how do we then, with the Spirit of God, continue to overcome what is going on in this world? Let's, Let's transition to that. And so as we get into things and I look at my notes, one of the things that I find interesting is those who have so much and yet still steal. What I find interesting, and I'm not better, I'm sinful, is celebrities who have been caught stealing. I find that interesting. Uh, A couple years ago, I remember Lindsay Lohan um, being arrested, and and she was uh, committed because she stole a $2,500 necklace, right? And and she wasn't the first celebrity to do this. Uh, Winona Ryder has been known for stealing $5,000 from Saks Fifth Avenue. And then you consider those who were convicted from tax evasion. Martha Stewart... I mean, consider how much she was on top of the world with her dynasty or kingdom, and yet she uh, evades taxes to the tune of 220000 Wesley Snipes, have you heard that name? He evaded taxes to the tune of $17 million. Willie Nelson, on the road again. $16 million evading in taxes. And I guess the reason that I'm a little bit struck by it is because I look at their lives and I'm like, you get millions of dollars, like... You had money. You you didn't need a $2,500 necklace, right? You you have big paychecks, right? And I think that's what I'm struck by when I look at King Ahab. He's the king. What can't he get? 
What doesn't he have? I mean, he even tells Naboth that he has other vineyards. So why does he need this one? You're the king, right? And then I consider us. I know we're not A-list celebrities and I don't know any kings or queens. But consider what Jesus has made us. Consider what he's made us. In John chapter 1, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, who believe in him, he gave the right to become, can you say that with me? Children of God. What this means is that you might not be king or queen, but you are a son or a daughter of the king. A son or daughter of the king. And you need to know that this king, he owns it all. He said, a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. If I would freshen that up, he's the stockholder of every major company. He owns everything. And do you think the king wants to share with his sons and daughters? That's what I believe. In fact, here, here's the truth. That I believe when you're a child of the king, you need no thing or nothing. Take your pick. And I have found, and maybe this is your experience, he is radically faithful on providing our needs. Not what everyone else has, or not our wants, and not the extras, but he's radically faithful in providing for what we truly need. Jesus taught us to, to pray for daily bread, and I've had it. Right? Have you had it? And we live in an age where this king has even given us some very special extras and gifts. And that's what I wanted to ask you in this moment. What is a special gift that God the King has given you? And if you're a note taker, could you write it down? If you're a note taker, could you just put it to paper? What is that special thing that is just yours that God has given to you? For some of you, you are thinking about a possession. And that's great. That's not bad. The king loves to give his, his sons and daughters good gifts. For some of you, by thinking of uh, ability, a, a, a way of working your, your mind, uh, the opportunity that he gave you. For some of you, you might be thinking of family members. Uh, for some of you, you might be thinking of experiences. Uh, for some of you, you might be thinking of this past week and it just, wow, something happened. But is there a special possession that the king has just given to you? Remember when I didn't get the TV? Can I tell you a bigger part of the story? <clears throat> See, I, it was about the same time that we were into music. I had an older brother, and we would often have, like, who could play their music louder, which I'm sure my mom loved, right? And, and he had this boom box, and I had this AM radio, so guess who won? Yeah, he did. And, and, and I remember um, being around 7th, 8th grade that period and going to a place called Shopco. Now, you don't know about Shopco. They're in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a weird place. It's kind of like Target. And I went to Shopco, and uh, I found the stereo to end all stereos. This baby was embossed in, in wood. It was just one big thing about, about this big. And uh, it had the cassette player. It had, <laughs> kids don't know what I'm talking about. It had a radio. It had a CD player. And it had these big speakers on both sides. And they had the tweeter and the sub, the, the main. The stereo to end all stereos. And I didn't know the price tag. I don't remember the price tag. All I know is I got it for Christmas. And this baby, you could hear the music in any room of the house. I was the winner of the competition between my brother, friends. No competition anymore. 
And my point is, I may not have had a tube television, but God, through a different avenue, an unexpected avenue, when my parents spent more than they usually spend for Christmas, gave me the stereo to end all stereos. And I think, and why I tell this story, is because if you look at your life with tunnel vision, He's probably giving you something similar. Something unique to you because you're unique. And as parents love their children uniquely because they're made uniquely, so he's given you something just for you to say, my child, share in my riches. We got to appreciate that. We got to remember it. For some of you, maybe it's going back home and you look in the closet and you think of all the conquests of shopping he allowed you to do. And you get in your car and you press the gas pedal a little bit and it sounds great and that's just yours. And you look at your backsplash and you're like, oh, I got it. I even remember picking it out. Right? And it's okay that other people have other things because I bet there is something he has just given you. And your assignment this week is just to wake up every day and start thanking him for your special gift. The thing that you wrote down, the thing that came to mind, you're going to start your day by thanking him for that special gift that was just for you because he's gracious to each one. You know, Jesus told us that that he'd operate this way. Uh, Look at this passage. It says, to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned to it. To each one, if you're looking for it. And a a final solution before we go. A final solution. Does anyone remember being an underclassman in school and looking up to the upperclassmen? Do you remember this moment? Or or if not that, um, maybe you just had a period of admiration for someone. Um, I came across this, um, sorry, I don't know what that's for. Um, uh, (laughs) I do, but I don't have time. Anyway, um, This picture of admiration is just awesome, isn't it? Looking up to someone who I just think is so superior. And if that ballerina, maybe it's the mom, would give her the time of day, how much she might just glow. Have you ever been there? Being a freshman in in high school and one of the seniors gives you a wink and a smile and says, hey, how you doing? Like, ah. And then there's a role reversal. Have you ever been then in the position where you knew this was happening to you? where you are now the senior and you are now the upperclassman or you had done something and now you get this sense that someone is doing. If your experience is like mine, I always preferred being this position. It was always more fun to admire the older. Maybe that's the youngest son coming into me. But I guess as we go forward, this is what I would promote to you. To take the posture of an admirer. And just enjoy it. To look around at the people in your life, the people around you, and just start admiring, not comparing, but admiring. To have conversations where you say, man, I love that you are so good with money without feeling bad that that you don't know money as well. To have conversations, man, you are a sharp dresser. This is great. Nice style. Way to rock it. Without feeling bad that you don't have those boots or that apparel. To talk to people and to learn to appreciate the different graces that God has doled out in different measures. 
What I would love for you to do is to learn to appreciate the grace given of other people. So here's our last takeaway. Learn to appreciate someone else's grace. I think that's what Jesus was talking about when, when he told his disciples, if you want to become great, you have to become least. Try to look up to and appreciate others. I know it's what he talked about in Philippians through the words of Paul when he said, in humility, value others above yourself. It's okay to lose yourself and just look at them and what they need and what they have and praise God. And I have a feeling the story would have ended a little differently if Ahab, when he saw Naboth's vineyard, just said, hey, dude, that's a nice vineyard. Do you think I could have a look around? If he just appreciated the wine that was made and went home and said, wow, pretty cool. It might have ended a little bit differently. So you and I, with laser focus over the grace God has given us, can start to admire and appreciate the rich generosity of God in so many degrees to others. Because we know we have our own special grace. We know we are sons and daughters of the king who need nothing because it's all going to be provided. He's gracious. So learn to appreciate. And now let me pray for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you have been so good to me and I have been so quick to overlook it. Help me to see the grace you gave me primarily in Christ Jesus that I would be loved, that I would, wouldn't have to die for my sins. But your grace is, goes on so much further. Help me to see the talents and the abilities, the possessions and the people that are all evidence of your mercy and your love. Let your spirit control my heart and keep me from greed. Have your way in my life that I might be a light shining and that I might be a voice declaring the king is good and with him I lack nothing. Amen. Please stand.